Hi, and welcome to another episode of Young Balanced Minds. My name's Dr. Kate Donahue, and I'm a clinical psychologist who specialises in a therapy called cognitive behaviour therapy, also known as CBT. In this podcast, I invite children, teenagers, and young adults to talk about their mental health problems and also their experiences of trying CBT to help them with their particular difficulties. In today's episode, I'll be talking to Maya about her experience of a condition called body dysmorphic disorder, often shortened to BDD. Maya, it's great to be talking to you today and thank you for agreeing to be interviewed. That's all right. Quite a few people may not have actually heard of body dysmorphic disorder before. Um, Are you able to explain what it is and for you how it developed? Yeah, so I think that um, a lot of people would describe body dysmorphic disorder as somebody maybe being concerned or unnaturally concerned with a part of flaw in themselves that um, is minimal um, or would be minimal to most people, but they perceive as being the most important feature of their of their body or face. Nobody else would really notice the flaw on them, and they kind of it it becomes the most important part of the person who is suffering from body dysmorphic disorder and it's all they can really focus on so for me it was to do with my skin and having acne and it kind of developed when I was maybe I think I was 17 or 18 and I actually got really bad acne and went on very strong medication to clear it up Um, and although my acne had cleared up um, because when I had acne I was I was very low and I was suffering from very, very low self-esteem. And I thought that going by going on medication, I would feel a lot better emotionally about it. But I realised coming off the medication, I started to live in constant fear of my acne coming back. It was only about probably two years after coming off the medication that I decided to get help for it. So you were actually living with this almost like extreme preoccupation with your skin for for two years. Yeah, and it was kind of, it was just all-consuming. I would think about it every day, kind of every, on average probably, I mean, I would just think about it every single hour of the day. It would stop me from doing social things because I would feel very out of control if I couldn't kind of predict how my skin was going to be in the future. And so I didn't want to make any plans for the future in case my skin would be bad. And I would get very just nervous about doing social things with friends. Anybody who would have one or two spots might just think that that's fine and it wouldn't affect them at all. But I was kind of, that's all I could see on my face. And it would be, it was just very, very distressing. I mean, obviously for you, it was, a, it was a huge preoccupation. But I was just wondering when you were actually going through that and really checking your skin and, and worrying about it and thinking about it a lot, did you imagine that other people might see your skin as normal and that you were actually seeing it in a different way? Or were you convincing yourself that other people were viewing it in the same way as you were? Uh, no, definitely. I was definitely convincing myself that people were seeing it in the same way that I was and that that is all they could see on my face, that all they could see was 
a minor blemish, which, well, which to them would be a minor blemish. But to me, it was just the only thing on my face that was noticeable, my uh, like a small blemish. And it was actually my, I didn't really, coming off the medication and living with this kind of condition, I just thought that my feelings were normal about it. And I thought that everybody who kind of maybe had had acne or who had suffered with acne would feel this way. And it was only, it was actually my mum who convinced me to get help for it because she's the one who told me that, well, she was just saying that she was a bit concerned that it had, it was getting a bit too, going a bit too far and um, that I, I was having a bit of a, it was a bit of an overreaction or my, my reaction to my skin was not normal. So it was almost like you, your mum that was was the person that was trying to suggest that perhaps it was a little bit extreme. What do you think she was noticing at the time that she was being um, very concerned about? I would check my skin in the mirror and I would go down to her in floods of tears, telling her that I was absolutely terrified my acne was coming back and that I knew it was coming back and it it was I was just going to go through the same ordeal that I went through the first time where I was obviously very very low and I didn't really want to go out or do anything because I was so concerned about my skin I was just kind of catastrophizing um and predicting the worst and I think she just it was obviously quite distressing for her to see me like that so worried about something that to her was so 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 she couldn't even see what I was worried about and I would spend a lot of time in front of the mirror just analyzing every single inch of my skin so I knew exactly what it was doing and I would do that every single day so if I got a spot overnight I would just immediately think that the acne was coming back and I'd go down and tell her and I was kind of giving her these constant reports of what my skin was doing so I think she she was she just didn't think it was a very healthy approach and I know that you were saying that it was really affecting your social life and and going out I guess just having a a normal kind of lifestyle at that stage I'm curious as to how much of your day do you think was actually taken up thinking about your skin or checking your skin or getting reassurance about your skin? Um, A lot. (laughs) I was, I probably spent every single hour, I would be thinking about my skin at least about six or seven times, just kind of thinking, or maybe even more, just thinking about it. Every time I would go out, I would kind of, and I, I thought I was having a bad skin day, I would be determined to avoid certain lightings. Talking to someone, I'd be very, very aware of what the lighting situation was and how well they could see my skin because I was worried that they might be able to see some kind of texture on my skin that that was a bit bumpy. And it kind of, it really caused a lot of anxiety for me. Um, I would check my skin every single morning, every single night. Every single time I got home from university, I would be looking in the mirror, washing my face. A significant part of my day was taken up by by obsessing over my skin. I was also wondering about the effect of it on your mood as well. Yeah, it was it was a very distressing time because obviously I would be checking my skin so regularly that 
And in the evenings, I, um, well, this is one of the things that CBT helped me with, but I would, I, it was especially in the evenings that I was, I started to get very, very down about my skin. If I checked it and I saw that there was some, there was something on my skin that I didn't like. And I obviously immediately went to the thoughts of my acne is returning. I, I'm disgusting. I know I shouldn't, I, nobody should look at me. And so obviously having thoughts like that every single evening did have an impact on my self-esteem. I felt very anxious. I felt very, I, I hated myself basically. And I just thought that nobody wanted to look at me or be with me. And I was no fun because all I could think about was my skin. Um, so it's kind of a vicious cycle of just self-loathing. <laughs> No, it does really sound very self-attacking and self-critical and quite shameful as as well. Mm. So your mum suggested that you, you get some help and then you decided with her encouragement to get support. What made you decide to try CBT rather than another model of therapy? Um, well, I kind of did a bit of research about it and I, I, I saw all kind of different types of therapy and I saw that CBT helped or can help uh, with people who suffer from uh, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And I think there are lots of aspects in BDD that kind of align with obsessive compulsive disorder because I was had this obsession, I was obsessively checking my skin and kind of obsessively thinking about it. And so I thought that it could be quite helpful. And I think that CBT was good because it kind of breaks down how you're feeling and the negative thoughts that you have about your, well, for the case of BDD, your perceived flaw. And you kind of Mm. break that feeling down and kind of see what it's about. I just thought it was an interesting concept. I like the the idea that you were doing the research and I think you're absolutely right that sort of overlap between OCD and and BDD um, and particularly because of those compulsive behaviours that you mentioned mm-hmm. the compulsive behaviours such as the mirror checking that are very difficult to resist how did you find the CBT tell us a little bit about that well I, f- I found it very very helpful and very useful um, it was quite hard I think initially because it's obviously always a little bit scary to kind of confront these these things. And um, I was quite, I mean, obviously I was so, I had been dealing with it for so long that I was so convinced that everyone was lying to me about my skin. And so it was really difficult to kind of accept this alternative perspective that actually the problem is not with my skin, it's with the way you perceive your skin. So that was, I think, the the really difficult thing about it is just accepting that my view of my skin was not the only possible perspective out there and that it's my way of thinking about it was, it was just kind of seeing one side of things. So I did a lot of journaling my feelings and why when I was feeling that way and I kind of had to write down uh, the unhelpful thoughts I had and then counter those thoughts with positive reinforcement statements. And I found that quite difficult as well, because it was a bit alien to me. And I I guess two years worth of of thinking about your skin in a particular way um, 
the pattern is pretty well established, isn't it? So I can really imagine that once you, you're invited to think about it in a different way and to invite different perspectives in relation to your skin, it, it probably takes a bit of time, does it, to, to start challenging yeah. those thoughts, catching those thoughts, challenging them? Definitely. And I remember that before I got help for, um, or before I started CBT, my mum would obviously always... I think this is one of the characteristics of BDD, actually seeking reassurance from people that your skin is all right. And she would always, but she would always tell me, but I'm not, I'm not going to reassure you about your skin because your skin is fine. But I am going to say that what you're feeling about your skin is not normal and it's not that bad. And nobody else thinks it's that bad. This is just something that you're, you, this is just a, like, your problem with the way you think about your skin and I would get so angry with her and I would just say why are you lying to me about this and that was really hard because I just I would automatically and I sometimes still do think that people are lying to me when they tell me that they think that my skin looks good or that they don't think that my skin has a problem when I think it does. In hindsight, what do you think of your, your mum's response now? I know that you got really annoyed with her at the time. Yeah, having done CBT, I can, I'm a lot more willing to accept her perspective on it. So her telling me that is a lot more reassuring than her reassuring me about my skin. So it's highlighting, I guess, as, as we were saying, the BDD is an emotional, psychological problem rather than yeah. there being a problem with your skin. Yeah. And your your way of viewing it was the thing that needed to be thought about and treated. So were there any particular tools or strategies that you found helpful in the CBT? Well, I think that one of the things that really did start to help me was kind of trying to um, tackle this obsessive checking of the skin. So I think that every time I kind of had the urge to check my skin, I would, one of the strategies was to distract myself. And I think that if you're going to distract yourself, it's better to do it with something where you're actively engaging rather than, it was more, I had to be doing something active rather than um, just be watching TV or listening to something on the radio because if I was doing something active and actively engaging with it, I could, didn't have the brain space to think about my skin and how I was feeling about my skin and also try and do this other thing that I was doing. And also when I was, I think another thing that helped me was, in this was part of the homework, that when I was just doing really boring, mundane things, really thinking about what I was doing. So for example, if I was doing the washing up, really thinking about doing the washing up and concentrating on that, instead of letting my mind just wander to the place, that comfortable place for me, which was thinking about my skin. Mm, so that sounds a little bit like managing your attention and your focus through maybe more mindfulness and feeling an experience of being able to manage your mind in maybe a more helpful way. And it, it wasn't easy at first, but I think that the key is practice with that one. Sure. Sure. So the, I, I guess resisting the compulsions was helpful so that you weren't checking so much and focusing your, your attention in a, a mindful way was, was helpful. Using distractions. I, I'm interested, the distraction sounds helpful for you. And 
once the distraction had come to an end, what what did you discover had happened to the thinking during the period where you were engaged in distraction? The strong emotions that I had been feeling before the distraction had kind of gone away. And although I was still thinking about my skin, it was not so the emotions were not as intense. That was one thing that was important for me because I felt I would feel these emotions extremely intensely, um, which made it hard <laughs> to go about my normal day <laughs> when I was feeling such intense emotions. And so it was good to just kind of bring those down a bit and to just kind of check myself a little bit and say, okay, well, that obviously then it's your emotions talking and not your actual skin because now you feel okay about it. You don't feel great about it, but you feel okay and that's good enough. Really interesting. So something about turning the dial down almost on the emotional charge yeah. and then that the, the yeah. thoughts, they're more manageable, I guess, to, to, to deal with and cope with. And can I ask, how's your BDD now? Well, it's a lot better. I mean, CBT really did sort me out <laughs> um, in terms of feeling feelings so intensely. I obviously still do suffer from having bad skin days and just thinking that and having this kind of unnatural response to it that a lot of people would not have. I think about my skin so much less than before when I think back to the time when I, before having CBT, I can't think how it was even possible for me to go about my, my daily life because I was so obsessively think like obsessively thinking about it all the time. And I still do think about it, but I've developed strategies um, for coping with the emotions. And I think that's one thing that was, that I really got out of CBT was not, I know that I'm probably going to have this for the rest of my life. And it's it's not ideal, but it's okay. And it was just about trying to develop strategies to help me deal with it, as opposed to getting rid of it completely. A lot more manageable then. I'm imagining it's probably freed up quite a lot of your time, has it? And particularly think, thinking space. Definitely. And I think that it also made me very aware of when I feel bad about my skin. So it's usually... That was through the kind of journal I was keeping. I recognised that there was a pattern of me feeling really bad about my skin in the evening when I was tired and I was getting, I was couldn't really think properly or clearly. I'd had a long day. I was, yeah, just lots of uni work. And that's kind of when it would really rear its head, the, the kind of unhelpful thoughts about my skin. And I'd get myself into a complete panic. And so now, because I know that, I'm very careful to avoid certain situations. So when I'm really tired, I just know that I can't spend hours looking in the mirror. I just have to kind of brush my teeth, not really look in the mirror and go to bed. Because it, as soon as I'm tired, that is when it really does come back. Sure. So be becoming really aware of those kind of trigger points, really, and those times when yeah. you're less resourceful and finding ways of managing those times that sound really helpful. So if there are other young people with uh, BDD or more generally body image problems who are listening to this, Maya, do you have any advice for them about what might be helpful and how, how they may be able to, to manage what they're going through? Yeah, I would say that 
one thing I would say is the first thing is that just recognize that it probably most definitely isn't what they are perceiving is not a representation of reality and that people seeing them in the street would, wouldn't even flinch if they they saw what they seemed to perceive was a massive flaw on their their body or face. Although I got annoyed about it at first that people were lying to me, I think it was ultimately really helpful for me to recognise this. Um, and it has made me feel a lot better. But I also think that it's, yeah, important to kind of find your what what triggers these feelings and find ways, take practical measures to kind of avoid those situations and distract yourself as much as possible to to avoid kind of letting those feelings in. Okay, and I guess the other thing, it took you two years to, I guess, access support, and and your mum was very much behind that. Uh, my experience is that some people with BDD and body image problems, they're quite reluctant to seek help, and I think that's often because they're afraid that others might think them a bit vain, which, of course, they're not vain at all. Uh, they're wanting to fit in and, in their view, not not stand out. So I was wondering if you if you have any advice around that as well. That is something that, um, I mean, because I did quite a lot of reading about BDD online and just kind of trying to see before I even kind of went, had CBT about it, and a lot of the the um, stuff coming up was a lot of people think that, you know, they're just vain and they all they care about is their appearance. And that is just completely not true because I think it's so much more than being just vain. And it's, it's for me, it was feelings of shame and guilt and I didn't want anyone to look at me. I thought I was disgusting and I couldn't... I, and I, I really do sympathise with anyone kind of dealing with these feelings because it's really difficult. But I think it's important to kind of just recognise that, again, these feelings are not representative of reality. And maybe if anybody did think that way about what you were going, what someone was going through with BDD, it's maybe better to just tell them, actually, it's, it's, it's not a problem with me being vain. It's something that goes a lot deeper than that. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's probably more about somebody's misunderstanding and not knowing what BDD is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Maya, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experiences. Uh, so interesting, so helpful. And really appreciate you you talking to us. Thank you. This podcast is called Young Balanced Minds, and it's just one in a series of podcasts covering a lot of the mental health problems experienced by many children and young people. I've put some links in the show notes to different resources. It's important to say, though, that if you're listening to this and you feel you're struggling, please reach out and get the support you need from friends, family, or if needed, from professionals. We do hope that you listen to the next podcast in a couple of weeks' time. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, please let me know by dropping me an email at info at bristolcbtclinic.co.uk. Finally, if you've enjoyed listening to Young Balanced Minds, please like us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. In the meantime, thanks for listening. 
Stay safe, everyone. Take care and stay well.